0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 16 of the Talking Floorball podcast. We are back after a month-long break. You could say this is almost series two now, season two of the Talking Floorball podcast. I'm here, as usual, your host, James, and alongside me, my wonderful co-host is back, Mary. Hello, Mary.
1: Hello, James.
0: We had a good chat today in the office um, about... <laughs> all of the topics that we're going to be discussing in today's podcast episode. And, uh, well, there are so many things to talk about since we haven't had one for so long. So we might as well start off with the last thing that happened before you caught up with us on the podcast, and that is the women's WFC final. So we had our predictions, um, and, uh, well, it didn't really matter in the end because... Mm. What it is, wet, Sweden win floorball.
1: Exactly. So that's what we have to say about the women's WSC. Sweden won, won so...
0: Sweden won, LOL. That's that. Yeah. But, I mean, in if we talk about it in a more deeper sense, that final was very interesting. I don't think I've ever seen a floorball game like that for a long, long time where it was really so different. That first period was a complete whitewash. Mm. It was like Finland were still jet lagged or something they were they were on the beach and that 6-0 just completely caught them off guard and yet that second period and that third period was really mainly Finland but it was too little too late
1: yeah Finland was still having their day off in Sentosa Island in Singapore when the final started I guess because they were they were just not ready for that which is a bit which was a bit sad because then of course when the first period is like that and then they kind of got back to the game and then it was way too late to actually like I think they ran out of time in the end.
0: Yeah, credit to Sweden for shutting them down in the second. They only got one goal through mm. Sarah Bispa in that second period and that was a really close fought battle in the second period in particular. So yeah. and as you said they had a only 20 minutes in the third to claw back five goals and it wasn't enough in the end, even though they pulled the goalkeeper for most of that third period, it felt like. But yep, congratulations to Sweden. Yet another dominating performance, didn't lose a single game. And uh, really, you know, just when you think, oh, some of their best players aren't back, you know. Oh, maybe there's a, qu- a couple of question marks about this position or oh, a couple of... No, it doesn't matter. New people step up all the time. This time it was Maya Vistrom in the final who started things off with a bang. And uh, as always, just unstoppable train.
1: Definitely. And yeah, I think otherwise our guess is, well, of course, yeah, it was amazing to see Czech Republic winning their first medal, first women's W C medal since 2011. So... Congratulations, Czech Republic. Amazing job.
0: And they celebrated like they won gold. It was big celebrations. I
1: loved, I loved seeing that, actually, after the third-place match. They were so happy and jumping around, and they had tears in their eyes, and I just thought, oh, my God, they deserve it so much.
0: And for those of you who d- might have missed it, uh, Ratajova, at the end, when they all jumped over the boards to hug their goalkeeper and everything, uh, I think it was Ratajova who got a headbutt from uh, Vanessa <laughs> Kepertova, as they were all jumping all over each other, and she took a nice headbutt to the nose, but uh, she was okay in the end. Rataova, so uh, and of course it was uh, a great goal as well in that third place game for the captain Krupnova, who did that sort of backhand oh, wow. out of midair, that sort of hit out of midair that was.
1: Yeah, one hand. Yeah. and Wow.
0: So Czechs pushing forward, and it wouldn't be fair of us to not talk about the other teams in the wfc as well great tournament for japan ninth mm. place you know they started off so good and, and they kept that going and uh, they didn't get through to the to the quarterfinals but to beat germany for ninth place like who would have said that a couple of years ago japan beating germany
1: no one but definitely Japan, they are a quality team. They have many skillful players, and it was really nice to see them play in the WSC in Singapore. Amazing. So smiley. <laughs> that too. <laughs> just, just very talented.
0: And if you haven't seen it as well, uh, we may post in the next week or so. Keep an eye on our socials. Their warm up routine which is uh, very unique. Uh, it's done to the song of Hey Mickey, for those of you familiar with that classic.
1: Hey Mickey, is fun, fun.
0: Exactly, that song. And uh, they do a whole warm-up routine to that, which was amazing. And uh, we've got to bring that one back, I think, out of the archives to repost that because oh, it's such a yes. feel-good video if you watch that. But it wasn't a feel-good tournament for Norway, who I think were probably oh. the biggest disappointment of this.
1: I, I think WFC. so too. mm I expected more from Norway, and especially being being fourth in the last WC in Singapore, or... Uh, I need to check this.
0: Yeah, it was fourth.
1: Fourth, yeah.
0: That was all the way back in 2005, however, but...
1: Exactly. So actually, them being on the 11th place in Singapore now was a bit of shock. And they started the event well. mm And, you know, we had maybe high expectations towards Norway, but then towards the end, yeah, it just wasn't enough this time. And they were very disappointed.
0: I think it was all down to that one playoff game against Denmark. I think after that, they kind of just almost like kind of mentally shut down a little bit and thought, oh, geez, you know, they did end their tournament strong by beating the host Singapore 13-1, to but they lost to... Germany shortly after losing to Denmark, and Denmark really came surprising with a really young team. You know, most Half the team is going to be in Lahti for the under-19s. Mm. That's how young this Danish team were. There was no expectation on them whatsoever compared to, say, previous tournaments. No Denadio this time around for mm. Denmark, who's one of their greatest players of all time. Exactly. And yet they get one of their highest place finishings ever in the WFC. So... Funny how this sport works sometimes. I
1: know, you never know. It's nice to see these surprises as well and not be like, oh, okay, you know, that we could guess what's happening all the time. That would be boring. So, of course, it's nice to have also surprises along the way.
0: Last but not least, talking of surprises, France.
1: France, allez, le bleu!
0: It was a lovely thing to just have them in Singapore having that incredible qualification tournament in Italy where they surprised Hungary and Italy and and upset the world ranking odds and qualify for their first ever WFC and they came in again no expectations really they just wanted to try and uh, you know show the best that they can and maybe win a game if possible draw if possible and they drew against Australia in the group stages and ended up playing them in the last game of their tournament and ended up winning, coming from behind with minutes to go to win that game as well.
1: And it was a good game. Their first game against the host team Singapore was also a very good game from Team France. Really yep. really good team, I heard.
0: Menu opened the scoring on that one with a great sort of passing teamwork goal. And uh, Marine Club fernstein was I think top top twelve in the end in the scoring list of every player at this WFC. So uh and she recently Moved to uh, a Swiss Prime League team, I believe. Uh, Giffers, I think. Aguero Giffers. So congratulations, Murray, Ooh. for uh, making that move to the top division in Switzerland. Uh, I guess your showing in Singapore helped out <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> that was a great tournament we had in Singapore. Thank you all if you watched and followed along. Uh, we'll move on to the next events that happened, this time in January Starting off with the Champions Cup finals, we'll start off with the women as they were the first game on the Friday night in Jotabori in the Wallenstam Arena in, well, in Mölnyek, but it, it's, <laughs> however you pronounce it, my my apologies. Uh, yeah. I don't know um, how you pronounce it. Right next to the home of Unihoc. Uh, if you've ever been to that neck of the woods in, in Gothenburg in the, in the southeast, it's right next to the Unihoc factory and headquarters, so that's quite cool. Um, and it was the Swedish, well, two powerhouses of Swedish and world women's floorball in Pikspo in Ibande playing Torengruppen, who were the defending champions, and it ended up being Torengruppen, who ran away with it in the end. Uh, Torengruppen, as many of you know, incredibly deep squad. The Cowpies, Vera Orna, um they've got Miki Pilla, they have Emily Vibron, Maja Vistrom, uh Lovisa head in just ridiculous team. I could go on and on. Really I could. Mm, uh, <laughs> I so probably... many
1: world champions and uh, Oh that that team just yeah.
0: And it was that quality in numbers that prevailed in the end. It was a super close game. Um Heine was very busy in net for Pigsburg and um Erika Hansen getting on the score sheet as well for the for the hosts, but it wasn't enough in the end. Despite them leading 2-1 after the first period, Torrengruppen fought back quite hard and ended up winning by just one goal.
1: But that's how it always is, I think, between Torrengruppen and Pigspo because they play in the Swedish Cup finals mm. and they will play in the Swedish Cup finals again. So in Pigspo, they are the reigning Swedish Cup champions. Um, but also they play in the final, in the kind of the Swedish super final. Mm-hmm. And they, they are always playing against each other and they are always having these very tight matches decided by only one goal or something like that. So those are very the top teams, Pixbo and Torengruppen.
0: Yeah, and it shows, I think Torengruppen still undefeated in the league this year mm. and Pixbo are third in the league. So... Uh, not too shabby from both no, sides. No, no, no. At all. So, um, group in your 2024 Women's Champions Cup winners, and for the men, well, this is a bit of a surprise—one for the books, history books for sure. Tatran Stresovica hosting at home in Prague uh, ended up. Well, they weren't even hosting at home; they were hosting in the one of the arenas of one of their main rivals in the UNY. P. Uh, arena in Prague in which is the host and the home of Sparta Prague. Mm. Um and they ended up beating Fallon, who themselves were defending champions coming into this in you know, an incredible, like tense and well, a t times violent final, I have to say.
1: Yeah, it's um it was a very historical win for Tatran because they became the first ever Czech team to win the Champions Cup, actually. So Congratulations. Well done. Also amazing atmosphere in the final because the arena in Prague was sold out. Um, Many fans cheering for for the Czech team. And uh, quite funny because (laughs) I was preparing this meme video about Falun and Tatran and then kind of Tatran asking Falun, like, can we win this trophy? And then Falun is like, no, you can't. And Tatran is like, But but we really wanted it, it would be our first one, and then Paul and I are like no, we want this because it would be our title number six in the Champions Cup, and well, that didn't turn out to be true, actually in the end. So
0: you got to prepare for all possibilities, I guess, <laughs> in the media department. Yeah, but, uh, they very much deserve to win, and
1: Definitely.
0: Uh, they, they end up with a rather relatively big cushion. In the end, as Fallon were pushing and they pushed and they scored one with like two seconds to go, but it was already too late, mm. far too late yeah. by then. And um yeah, just big jubilant scenes at the final whistle and now the fans and the whole team of Tatran can claim that they are now the best club side in the world for men's football, mm. which exactly. is an honour. Very. And positive for the sport, let's just say. You know, to see someone from another country, possibly another team... And uh, especially, as I think, I think every player almost except one on that, on that Tatran side is Czech. So, to to battle a almost entirely Swedish team full of Swedish mm-hmm. players and win, well, that could spell an omen for the WFC at the end of the year. Who knows?
1: Definitely, and I think it's also good for the Champions Cup format because obviously now it was the first time in a new format we have more matches and also this home and away. Concept, so I think having a final event which is like sold out, and then also we get a new winner and everything, and it's good atmosphere, um, quality matches, then it's a very like good, good thing for the Champions Cup as a whole.
0: Definitely, and the already we've announced the dates for that. You can check out the dates on our website floorball.sport, and as the. Champions, the Cup Champions and League Champions will be announced. We will keep you updated on our socials about who will be participating in next year's Champions Cup.
1: Yeah, we already know some of them. I think, like, I mean, most of the um, most of the teams we will only know um,
0: this month, right?
1: This month, yeah, because it's February. Yeah, so I think by the end of this month we will know because many of the Many like the cup winners of the,
0: of, of the top four, yeah. yeah. And as you said, many of the teams that we're very familiar with are going to be in the cups, um, in the finals. Tatran themselves in the Czech Cup final this year as well. Um, they will be playing uh, Hodov, Floribal Hodov, who won in overtime over Mlady Boleslav in the semi finals. So uh, that's very interesting for the treks because, well, there is no guarantee, unlike other sports, there's no guarantee in the Champions Cup that if you win, you come back next year. You have to also win in your league or in your cup competition. But it looks like for Tatran, they are almost requalified for next year already. They just need to win in the final against Khodov. Khodov would be very good for them to make a big upset win, you could say.
1: Yeah, and also, um, uh, yeah, obviously in Finland, uh, from Finland, TPS, they won the Finnish Cup, and then Nokian Korpe in the men's, they won the Finnish Cup, so they are already in.
0: Okay, so we'll see Nokian for the first time in several years. Yeah, that was actually
1: the first title they won now, when they won the Finnish Cup.
0: So, uh, I will practice my... Finish? is it paljon onnea? No, paljon onnea is like happy birthday, right? Onnea, you just say onnea. You
1: can say onnea or you can say onnittelut or... But you could still... No. You onea. could say onneksi olkoon.
0: I'll just say onnea. So many
1: things you can also say when it's someone's birthday. like, okay. But then also for that you would say congratulations would be onnea.
0: Okay, so onnea nokia.
1: Or onnittelut. Okay, this gets complicated. This, <laughs> this is why this is list. I've
0: lived in Finland for a couple of years now and I'm not learned the language. It's a lot tougher than you may expect. <laughs> it's not as easy. Although
1: this this one was an easy word like compared to some other. Okay, oh, words great, you have, Lovely, brilliant. You
0: have heard, I guess. <laughs> so we will carry on. Finishing with the Champions Cup, we'll now head to the WFCQs, the qualifications for the men's world championships at the end of the year in Malmo. We had three qualifications events in Europe, all at the same time across Europe from north to southern-eastern Europe, you could say. So we had in Leipaia, Latvia, in Lochal, which I've pronounced wrong, but...
1: I don't know how to pronounce
0: it, like... Uh, I'll say how Slovaks pronounce it which is Lochau um and in Škofia Loka which is a little easier for me to say in Slovenia uh Lochau in Poland of course so Mari we'll start with you because you yourself were at the event in Liepaja in Latvia how did that one go
1: well obviously we had the men's qualification event in Liepaja back in 2020 so it was nice to return to Liepaja again for this men's WCQ. Um, and I have to say, Latvia, they are always hosting quality events. They, they know what to do. And it's just, yeah, amazing atmosphere always. And especially it was very good atmosphere in the Latvia versus Germany match uh, with 1,500 spectators and then over 2,000 spectators on the final night when Latvia played against Finland. So it was really nice to see that actually the local fans were there to come to cheer for their team and they actually came to the arena and very good. Um, no big surprises among the groups. Finland were strong as expected, although they also had many new players, seven deputants on the team. For example, Lukas Huvarinen and Jani Rauhala, Juuso Ahola. So we actually saw kind of like very different Finland as a team because they didn't have those um, usual players. For example, Villa Lastikka, he was not there. Um, Torriseva was missing from the goal and Emily Salin and Sami Johansson, Mikko Kailiala, so many names actually uh, were not on this list in, in Liepaja, but they still play really well. So it's going to be a tough choice for the for the coaches to decide who they will take with them to Malmö in the end of the year. So uh, Finland, Latvia, Germany and Estonia qualified from the Liabaya group. Um, well, it was definitely surprising to see the match between Latvia and, and Germany because obviously Latvia being the fifth place team in Zürich in 2022 and Germany being 6th. And we were really expecting that match to be tight one, but then it ended up not being that exactly. And then also same thing, Latvia against Finland. Again, we were kind of expecting that, Okay, maybe maybe Latvia might be a tough opponent or tougher opponent for Finland at least. But again, not exactly. So, yeah.
0: But overall, the vibes were good. In the
1: vibes point. were good, vibes are always good.
0: Any funny moments or anything that you can think of that stood out for you from your time?
1: Uh, definitely. Uh, for example, Finland versus France match, Lagov. Do I even do I even pronounce Lagov? 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 63 saves against Finland. That was quite amazing. And the Finnish head coach Esa Yuscila actually congratulated him after after the match and that was a very very cool moment to see and also like what a game it it must have been very tough tough for for the French goalie um the French captain Manuel Rousseau Mendoza got 30 international caps and he retired because France did not qualify and also Claudia Henry he retired from International floorball and from the national team and played last matches with the French national team. And he also showed some breakdance moves, moves after the match and after after he announced that he's ending his career. So maybe he will, um, yeah, start like dancing more or something. You never know.
0: Why not? I mean, if we're not in the Olympics, breakdancing is in the Olympics. Exactly. So why not if you want to get into the Olympics? <laughs>
1: Exactly. You'll
0: see that in uh, Paris, I think, this year, breakdancing in the Paris Olympics. So. Yeah,
1: for the, for the first time. So mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: there's there's a chance.
0: We'll move on. Uh, Euro 2, we both were not at that one in Luchal, um, but in Poland. But that was a very feisty one, um, especially with the good home support for the Polish national team. But they didn't start off there event too well did they marry with a draw
1: no i mean the atmosphere was amazing definitely um but oh, so yeah
0: if you look at the difference in the world rankings it should be relatively comfortable mm. for for poland with those games but um yeah maybe it wasn't clicking fully for them Um, but they did what they needed to do and they got the results, which was the most important thing, even though that last game against Spain, oh my word, (laughs) heart attack central for either side. I mean, Spain were 2-0 up after 20 minutes. They could almost believe, start to believe that we are going to be qualified for Malmo. Poland came back, smoked them 6-2, and then Spain brought it back to 6-5. I remember I turned the stream on because I was in Slovenia at the time, and there was like players diving, falling on the floor, throwing themselves like it was football. I mean, the the refs had a 10 minute discussion at one point Mm because they had to try and calm everything down. That Poland, Matt, the Poland Spain game was mental.
1: But Spain, they gave 100%, 110%, or something. Like, they just they really fought, fought for their place in the WSC. You could just see that.
0: Definitely, it was heartbreaking for them, but at least the positives for them is that they can take pride and effort and know that you know on the back of these good results, at least in this qualification event, their world ranking may improve a little bit for mm-hmm. next time, which always helps helps you out favourably if the groups fall into a certain way in which you get put into a group where there's an increased chance of qualification um so it's never over until it's over mm, uh, we also s- we also saw Slovakia draw with Norway which meant the wonderful abject of goal difference came back into play uh, we saw this two years ago in Chilana when Austrian Germany drew in the group stages and poor old Cote d'Ivoire were on the receiving end of a German barrage that was I think 50 goals, and this was in three times 15 back in Celano two years ago, Oh yeah. so it was a little bit of a flashback to that, but uh, this time around uh, Poland were far superior in scoring and Austria ended up even losing against Hungary, so it didn't even matter in the end, great result for the Hungarians, beating quite a strong Austria side and getting into that playoffs to even try and qualify, they Mm. ended up falling to Norway, but it was in the end uh, Czechs and Slovaks qualifying, Czechs this time not making sure that that shock result in Chelano from two years ago when Slovakia beat them didn't happen again. Uh, that was quite a dominating win, I think 10-1 yeah. in the end in the final. And then Norway easily defeating Hungary and as we mentioned Poland just squeaking by against Spain in the end in very nervy matches, so... Congratulations to those four teams. Mm. And uh, if we didn't mention it already, from Leipaia, Finland, Latvia, Estonia and Germany Germany qualified.
1: And I mentioned it. You yes. did. Okay, sorry. <laughs>
0: I was thinking.
1: <laughs> it's good to remind people, though. No.
0: And last but not least, the Euro 3 group in Skofja Loka. Uh, we had two less teams register from Europe this year round compared to two years ago. Um, from Europe, Africa, I should say, because there was no Ukraine this year um, for many a reason. Mm. Obviously, most of those out of their control. Uh, so we send our thoughts out to the Ukrainian team. Um, and Cote d'Ivoire, who this time did not send a team. Um, so it ended up being a five-team group in Loka which meant no playoffs, just a straight group play, uh, all the teams against each other. And... Uh, It was Switzerland, Slovenia, Denmark, Belgium and Italy who played each other in Loka. I was there for the week. And even though we played on wood floor parquet, which did spark up a lot of debate, let's just put it that way. It was a great event. Really well done. Well run. As you said, the Latvians do a good job. And Slovenia, we hadn't played a qualification there for, I think, almost 20 years
1: Oh, that's a long
0: time so it was been it was really good to get floorball back international level high level floorball back into Slovenia, and the fans were, came out in droves for all the Slovenian games I mean the ladder to go up to the commentary box there was like two people laying on the ladder at one <laughs> point just to get a view of the field. It was not sure health and safety it was great, but um. Still, the passion and the the fact that people were just climbing on top of each other to get a view was, yeah, incredible atmosphere. And it showed that first game, they stunned Denmark and they won. And after that, it was pretty smooth sailing for the Slovenians. Uh, tough match against Belgium, which they mm-hmm. drew. But um, again, that was a back and forth, super great atmosphere. The Belgium team loved. I could see just like relished playing in that atmosphere where it's you couldn't even... I was next to the Belgian bench for the first period of that game, and every time the coach tried to call for a line change, there was no chance anyone on the field was hearing him. He <laughs> three times he called for a line change, and no one came off because they couldn't hear a word he was saying. It was that loud in the in Boden Arena. So an incredible atmosphere. Credit to all the Slovenians who showed up and and showed out. Uh, even the, those from other countries showing up. Some Italian fans coming over. Nice little group of italian fans that small pocket of belgian fans who were sitting in the front row against slovenia all credit to you guys because you took the lead and and everyone's giving you death stares like they hated you and you were all cheering for team belgium (laughs) that was that was amazing that was um and uh, not so many swiss fans as i thought there would be but understandable Mm. it's when Switzerland go to a qualification event, it's almost like sort of like a practice for them in the end, such as the quality.
1: Yeah, but now I have a question for you. Uh, when we, of course, we have to talk about Malmo and the men's WSC a bit later during this year, like after the Euroflauble Tour and other events are over and, you know. Um, but do you think Switzerland will be in top four in the upcoming WSC? Top four? Yeah. Do you think Latvia will make it to top four? No. No.
0: Not after that performance against, as you said, a Finland team missing quite a lot of their players. Yeah. Um, Their top, top players. And yeah, for those of you who don't know, Switzerland are going through quite a bit of a rebuild Mm -hmm. at the moment
1: with their men's team. And that's why I'm asking as well. Because new coaching
0: staff, almost half the team that was in Zurich two years ago, less than two years ago, were not there anymore, retired, or not playing for the national team anymore. Um, but I still think this just, you know, you look at the, the funding and the money that's now being pumped into the Swiss League, um, that's not only going to elevate the, the play of all, with all the foreigners coming in, but that will elevate the play of the homegrown talent as mm. well. Um, so I think it will help push Switzerland still to... S- I don't think they'll drop out of top four. I still think we have a top four in floorball. Um, my main thing going forward is I think there may no longer be a top two in floorball, but that's my spicy take of the year. And
1: I agree. I agree with you. Okay. I think Czech Republic are going into that.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I, I think now it's it's a top three almost. Mm-hmm. And Switzerland need to work hard to make sure it still remains a top four. And they don't get left by themselves a little bit on the outside. But uh, it's two tournaments in a row now that the Czechs have beaten the Swiss in the men's game uh, for bronze. And now we see the women's for the first time, the Czechs beat the Swiss in Singapore. So some work to do for Swiss Uni Hockey Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: their national teams. But at this qualification event, they were... Well, they were perfect, literally. I, I don't think they scored less than 10 goals in any of their games. And they were, they were yeah, dominant throughout. Uh, not really much I can say. Zalg, if you haven't seen it, he scored a beautiful goal against Belgium. Tur- turned Lars de Mer inside out. Sorry, Lars, if you're listening to this, but... <laughs> spun round, you flicked it for your legs. Thank you. Assist to the middle. What a great move. Uh, Bischofsberger got hit in the private area let's just say from like one meter away so if you're okay, I hope you're okay still Nicola but you know not a pleasant experience especially if you're a man you know the pain that that is involved with um, poor bloke um, but yeah Slovenia also joining Switzerland they came second in the group which is a big upset on in terms of world rankings but um, they were I think they showed all week that they were better than Denmark, and thankfully for Denmark, even though they went to the qualifications with only 12 players and one goalkeeper, they managed to do enough, just enough against mm-hmm. Italy to win. 6-5. I mean, if you said to me two years ago that Italy would play Denmark and the score would be 6-5 to Denmark, I would never have believed you.
1: 5-4. Five, 5-4? Four.
0: Five, four? Not 6-5. Five. OK, 5-4. Five, anyway, one goal. One goal difference between... The t- never would have believed you never, but never never ever great great play from the italians and sort of caught the danish completely by surprise and i think um those 12 players eventually caught up to denmark in the end but they did what they needed to do and they finally showed their quality in their last game against belgium when they destroyed belgium so
1: don't mess around that's that's the thing
0: translation denmark please bring a full squad because you're great
1: <laughs> exactly
0: and you showed that against belgium you're really good um, and shout out Mike Troller again, like, unbiased view, my favorite <laughs> male player in the game, by far. You, Most of you listening, if you've listened to previous podcasts, you know who my favorite female player is. Um, but Mike Troller, what a guy, lovely person, can okay. I just say. He was very polite with everyone, shaking hands, um, you know, went over and thanked the... the um, the the Slovenian fans even after their game against Denmark and uh, he was always very respectful but also another great performance from him to keep well Denmark in that game against Italy and um, also he did a good performance against Switzerland with an incredible tiptoe save uh, if you missed that one as well that was on our Facebook so go check that out um, but yeah Denmark eventually qualifying disappointment for Belgium who end up bottom of the group even though oh. they drew against Slovenia but good improvement for Italy, who uh, don't finish their group bottom, and they'll get a little bit of a boost in the world rankings probably as a result. So, Switzerland, Denmark, and Slovenia go through from Skofia Loka and they join Germany, Estonia, Czech Republic, Poland, Slovakia, Norway, Latvia, and Finland, all going through. ...to the final tournament, final round in Malmö at the end of the year... ...alongside hosts Sweden. So we will see what Enough. happens there. And of course we will be there. <laughs> and uh, we will be happily covering as much as we can of that floorball action. And in terms of that floorball action... ...it's very soon we can officially say that the ballot draw... ...has already been announced. The date for it, for that draw, for all the groups playing in Malmo, that will be this March, the 5th of March, so keep your eyes on the IFF app and on all our social media channels, the ballot draw will be streamed on the app for free, no need to pay, Uh, you just need to sign up for an account if you already, if you don't have one already, and we shall see, it could be interesting, Uh, the pots you will be able to find on our social media, we will post those, and you will also be able to see who your team, who your country will be playing and starting off their World Championships against this December, on the 5th of March. So tune in, and of course tickets are still available, and they will be available, probably for the rest of the year, but make sure you're quick, because the finals tickets are almost all sold out already. It's a pretty good response from the Swedish Inibandi fans, so if you want to get in... Involved and get in the action this December, make sure you snap up your tickets for Malmo. You just go to the website wfc2024.se and the ticket link will be right slap bang in front of you on the homepage.
1: Yeah, and if you're thinking like Eurovision or Men's WSC, just forget Eurovision and save your money for the Men's World Championships, which will be held in the same arena in Malmo.
0: Yeah, we're an esteemed company in Malmo, Eurovision and the World Championships for Floorball. So, we will move on and we'll finish off this episode with your fan questions. We asked on Instagram two questions, all related to the recent Champions Cup and WFCQs. We'll start off with the first question, which was, how do you feel about the current WFCQ format? So, the the current style and the, the sort of play set up in terms of only the host qualify and all the other countries have to go through qualifications in order to make the event first response was that it's difficult for smaller countries to qualify marie do you think that's true do you think that it is because even if we say for example the top eight teams automatically qualify for the next event that would still only mean four places are left for Mm. qualifications for those quote-unquote smaller teams. But those four places would still be between your Estonias, your Poland, your Denmark, um, your Slovenia. So it's not like the current 16-team format of a WFC would just suddenly let um, teams ranked from 20th lower have a really good chance of getting in in terms of based on their rankings.
1: Yeah, um, well, if we look at the qualification group where I was, so in the year one in Liepaja, as I said, there were no surprises there. But then at the same time, uh, there were surprises in other groups. For example, Spain, they were close to qualifying. Uh, Slovenia did qualify. So also we have those examples. And I think considering, well, let's say it's not always easy Or it's not necessarily easy, depending on what kind of qualification group you will have. Because, of course, then you have to perform in a very, like, in a very good level in the qualifications as well, if you want to reach the final. But I wouldn't say it's, like, impossible, but it is very difficult. Because at the same time, (sighs) it's tough. It's tough. And then, like you said, then, of course, the teams that will make it to the final Round half a certain ranking world ranking as well, and then because the WSC is so compact right now with the sixteen teams it's it's kind of also when thinking about the level of the w s c that you know those kind of best ranked teams are also in the final round you
0: know it's also a thing that when you speak to some of these smaller teams like for example Liechtenstein, they would never get any chance to play against a Finland or mm. a Latvia in, in mm. normal normal time. You know, they could try and organize a friendly game, but it most likely wouldn't happen. So for these players, it's a almost a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play against some of these countries that they would never be able to do if we had certain teams automatically qualify.
1: Definitely. And, you know, we read about critics about... Or many people are criticizing the WCQ and the qualifications, and you know, the goal differences that okay, Finland, if they are winning 24 0 against France, and you know, things like that. Um, But as you said, it is for the smaller teams, it is also a learning experience. And that's what they are saying themselves that maybe coming to the qualifications, of course, if they would qualify, they would be happy to go to the final round. Mm -hmm. But maybe that is. Like, that is not their number one expectation in a way. But it is also that they get to play against top teams and they have the possibility to play against those. Because for smaller countries especially, when you're not automatically in six nations or you are not in the Euro Floorball tour, of course, and those are kind of um, structures or like things that have, been established since i don't mm. know when it's really hard to get in into those kinds of events and actually then the possibilities to organize things by yourself like for example the euro power is happening now between italy ukraine spain, spain. and belgium exactly so that's kind of the chance to get more events for the national teams. But then, if you want to play against Sweden, Finland, Czech Republic, Switzerland, um, Latvia, Germany, these kinds of teams, th- teams, then you come to the qualifications, and then you will get the chance to do that.
0: And even if you qualify, there's no, it's uh, there's not really a high likelihood that you'll end up there's, you know, in terms of on paper likelihood of you playing a top four nation anyway. Because Mm. they automatically will qualify from their group for the quarterfinals. You would have to win a playoff round from your CD group to then get into the quarters. So it's a long, long, long process. So for a lot of these smaller teams and nations, this is the only chance they'll ever do. Get to play those top countries. Mm. And like you said, with Europower, if Belgium, Spain and Italy play each other already twice a year in Europower... Do they really want to play each other again in the men's qualies if they know each other so well? So that's I think one argument for it of course and there is obviously the 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 difference in, in ability and playing level and rankings between those nations and with the big score difference that's always going to be a little bit of a problem but let's just say there is something in the pipeline for the future which may sort of solve everything we can't divulge too much information right now but um, let's just say keep your eyes open for 2026.
1: Yeah and also look what what the Europower has done for Spain like they almost won against Poland and they had the opportunity so of course not only the Europower but of course the the work along the years and like going into that qualification group because sometimes Spain They were in in Latvia in in another group, which, of course, maybe they had like tougher opponents and they couldn't win matches. But now they, they had that kind of match against Poland. So, of course, you can see that that kind of development is possible, but it just requires hard work. It doesn't happen just that, Okay, now we go to the qualifications and now we like win matches, but it actually requires a lot of work as well.
0: Definitely. And uh, it's a lot of work that goes in from all sides, not just the uh, playing player, but not just the athletes, but the the staff and mm. everyone in the federations behind the scenes
1: Definitely. as yeah. well.
0: And uh, it's also integral. We see, I think, is becoming more and more integral is the sort of like little hotspots, especially in these smaller countries like El Escorial in Spain, for example, which is... Almost becoming like the home of floorball in Spain and Skofja Loka in Slovenia, which hosts the two best teams in Slovenia. Even though the town has a population of twelve thousand people, it's sort of this hub of floorball. And um, you know these players, even though they're playing in a town of twelve thousand, they they're incredibly talented. Mm. And uh, it's key that we have these little sort of like pockets and bases of passion and and play that come from and regular uh, league formats and teams that play on a regular basis as well.
1: Mm.
0: Next question, well, on to that. Bring back B-Division. I'm going to let you start, Manny. (laughs)
1: uh, Well, I wasn't even here when B-Division still existed, so I'm just like, hmm, haven't experienced that. Um, Well, um, I reckon B-Division will not be back. And 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 um, that's what we discussed already earlier before we started recording. That the current WSC format with sixteen teams in the final round is is kind of the compact uh, form, having sixteen teams and not more, not like twenty teams, like ten and ten or something. Um, it's it's there for many reasons, and of course, yeah.
0: Yeah, we got a one or two questions as well. As will will the WFC expand in number? Uh, should it expand in number? And and if so, will it go to twenty? Will it go to twenty four? Um, let's mm. just say we're not FIFA. We're not trying to push the World Cup from thirty two teams to one hundred and eight or whatever is their their eventual goal. Um, I think for floorball, it, it's there is quite a big difference in sort of. Uh, ability when you look at say the top four in playing level maybe and compared to some of the other teams especially lower down the rankings um there's still you know a, a rich diverse history of floorball in in sweden and in finland that that goes back for decades now that goes back almost 50 years and uh more than that and and for certain countries like spain it's you just don't have that wealth of history and, and playing experience to draw on from and, mm. and to learn from. So maybe sometime in the future when more teams and more countries and more nations have a lot more football experience and, and a lot more depth in terms of numbers and, and federation support and things like this, that may be something to look for. But I think, as you said, 16 is that sweet spot, is that number, which is nice, and uh, I think it works as well for the time being. In our media opinion, this is not <laughs> official. Think about,
1: think about if we would have a, like a double number of teams, like what, 32 teams, and we would be going around and be like, okay, are we now like aware There's no who qualifications. is no what?
0: Yeah, the first thing is there'd be no qualifications. <laughs> Every team who registered would just play, so that's great. Yeah, but, or um, even like
1: with 20 teams, you'd be like, no, it, it, yeah. I'm just like wondering how many teams. We'll just be like, oh my God.
0: It'd be interesting let's just say
1: yeah definitely interesting but you never know about the future like
0: exactly exactly I,
1: like the conversation like whatever years ago was probably very different when actually a and b existed and then also existed in the under 19 wsc as well so um Ah oh, yes, I have experienced under nineteen WSC with the A and B divisions in uh, twenty nineteen in Halifax. It was still happening, but
0: the format is basically the same today. However, but yeah, it's
1: just just the groups. Yeah, but still, it's just now
0: known as one division. There's yeah, no way it, it was
1: be... it was still the same. I mean, sixteen teams anyway, so it's kind of hard to compare. But then, if you compare to the times when there was, you know, the C division C championships as well, and you know, it's. Yeah, then then the conversation probably then was that, okay, we want to have less teams mm. in the WFC, you know.
0: And the last question about the format of the WFCQs, someone suggested, are we going to go or should we go back to three times 15? This was a very hotly debated topic two years ago during qualies for Zurich, uh, during that, the events that we had in Latvia, in uh, Kocheni, in... Valmiera and mm, in Cil- and mm. in Celano in Italy uh, where those qualification matches for Europe and and for the Asia qualifications and the Americas those were played uh, three times fifteen minutes now we're back to sort of regular three times twenty um, We will put out a poll this weekend this weekend of the ninth ninth uh, to eleventh of February uh, so keep an eye on our stories you can answer there for your thoughts on what format you would like. But for now, Maddie, what do you like? Three times fifteen? Three times twenty? Or maybe like basketball, almost four quarters, you oh, could never. say four times fifteen.
1: Never. Three times twenty is the is personally my favorite. I'm not gonna three times fifteen, no. That's a no from me. My my personal view
0: personal, <laughs> just say non-
1: just say I want I want the you know sixty minutes of floorball and you know, three Three times twenty is is my choice. The more the merrier.
0: I didn't mind three times fifteen when I watched it. To be fair, I think, obviously, due to the nature of it being a lot shorter in time, there is much more chance for upsets, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, for example, Slovakia beating Czech Republic two years ago. If that game was another fifteen minutes longer, would the Czechs have won? Who knows? No idea. Slovaks were leading at the time, of course, because they won. Um, they could have very easily held on in the end. So, um, but then it, it's also an interesting question as we look to push into. Well, the next question will be about this three uh, v three, and maybe how that will impact not just floorball in general, but um, also the future of floorball itself in terms of how we progress when we go from a regular scheduled five-on-five game to now introducing this new three-on-three format that many people in many countries have been already playing and Mm -hmm. experimenting with. Mm -hmm. So keep an eye on the poll this weekend and you can let us know your thoughts and we will share the results and what you guys and what most of the uh, floorball fans on our Instagram think about the format of floorball and how you guys want the matches to be played going forward. Our next question, last question of this episode... Uh, We just asked a brief if you have any open questions or anything you want to know about the Champions Cup or the men's qualies that just happened, and we got a lot of questions about the upcoming Under 19 WFC and the three on three World Floorball Championships. Well, Matty, what can we say about the three v three World Championships?
1: Yeah, so the very first IFF three v three world Football championships will be played in Lahti, Finland, from 11th to 12th of May this year, in conjunction with the women's under 19 WSC, which is also happening in Lahti, and the three versus three WSC, three v three. The registration is now open for the event, and you can register. The registrations will only be accepted from the national associations, so those are not coming directly to the IFF, actually. Uh, Each association may register two teams for each gender.
0: So that's two men's teams and two women's teams per country maximum.
1: Yeah. Uh, Each team may include up to 10 players, eight core players and two goalkeepers, plus two team officials.
0: Yes. And yeah, so if you are thinking of, or if you want to be a part of history and take part in the first 3v3 WFC, get in touch, get in contact with your local federation, with your national federation, mm. I should say. And uh, for example, we already know Finland is already doing a qualification event for their 3v3 teams uh, this month. And uh, they will decide who they will pick and send to Lahti for the 3v3 WFC. And of course, all. Member nations of the IFF are eligible to send a team. So Argentina, if you're listening, you can send a team. Uh, If you're listening, Brazil, you can send a team. Mexico, one of our newest members, you can send a team as well. So anyone can join in. And uh, we are looking forward to seeing that team list of countries across Europe and the world joining us in Lahti for the first ever three-on-three World Floorball Championships.
1: And a maximum of 48 teams, so 24 men's teams and 24 women's teams will be accepted.
0: So maybe um, you better get your submissions in early Mm -hmm. and uh, make sure you secure your spot with your national federation. And uh, we look forward to very much seeing you there. Next question was about the WFCQs that we just had. Uh, This time, 12 teams have qualified from Europe, not 11 Compared to 2022, why is this? Uh, Mali's pointing at me, <laughs> so, so uh, I can tell she really wants to answer this question. I will. I'll give it a go. So it all depends on two main factors. Uh, the main factors are number one, the number of registrations per region. So depending on how many countries and national federations have registered for the qualifications in that region. Um, For example, two years ago, we actually had more teams from Europe and Africa register. Um, This time we had two less, no Cote d'Ivoire, and like we said, no Ukraine earlier on. So uh, that means there were two less, but we had the same number of uh, registrations in the AOFC. However, the second point also comes into effect, which is the rankings. Based on the world rankings of the region's teams that have Um, elected to participate in the qualifications, that will also be a detrimental factor in deciding how many teams are allocated from each region. So, um, as is customary, America's, we almost all the time only get Canada and the USA registering. So, one spot will go to one of them. For Europe, it's typically 10, 11 or 12 spots, um, including the host nation, we may add. Uh, This time it it was 12, including host Sweden. Last time in Zurich it was 11. So that means the AOFC region, the Asia-Oceania region, uh, has one less team. Last time having four, this time only having three. And one of the main factors in that was the uh, decision or the um, choice by the Malaysian Federation to not enter the qualifying this year. Uh, Malaysia, who are ranked significantly higher in the world rankings than their replacement this year, who are China. China, for the first time, we're seeing them for a very long time back in qualifications as they get ready to participate in the World Games next year in Chengdu, in their home city of Chengdu, might we add. So we'll get to see a Chinese men's floorball team take part in Asian qualifications this year for the first time. And as a result of that... Uh, as a result of the world rankings, that means that the AOFC will have won less team than they did two years ago in Zurich. So it's going to be a hotly tipped and a very, very tight battle, you could say, between all the teams in the Asia-Oceana qualifications. Last time we saw in Zurich, it was Australia who finished the highest, uh, 13th, Thailand, then Philippines, then Singapore. So of those four nations, only three may possibly go through alongside Japan, who will be back, New Zealand, okay. South Korea, and as we said, China. So those are the f- eight teams in qualities for Asia, and only three will go through from those ones. Mari, predictions, who do you think is going to go through from those Asian qualifications? We've still got several months. They take part in May, but just some brief early predictions. Will China make it?
1: No. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm sorry, China, but uh, mm, that's a no. Uh, three teams will go through. Okay, um, Thailand definitely, Australia. Then it's it might be Singapore who go through, and Philippines are gonna be out. It's Interesting. Tough. I, w-
0: I will say Thailand, Australia, and Philippines. It is in the Philippines as well, so let's oh, not re- yeah. let's not forget the Philippines will be backed by a home crowd in those qualifications just outside of Manila in the capital city, so that may be a deciding factor in helping them qualify as well.
1: Yeah, definitely well, I think it will be it will be a battle between Singapore and the Philippines, like you know one of them will qualify or could it be that you know ah no, I'm not gonna say anything but I will definitely say that Thailand will go through. That I will definitely say.
0: And you can see if Mari's prediction is correct. On the 21st of May, those qualifications will begin in the Philippines. So still some several months away. You can get ready and prepare yourselves for that one. But we do have another qualifications event this month. As we mentioned, the Americas qualification taking place just next week already. well, A week and a half, you could say, uh, in Toronto Canada at the Toronto Metropolitan University between USA and Canada they'll play two games Saturday and Sunday to decide not only who gets to go and play in Malmö for the 2024 WFC but also which of these two sides will represent the Americas region and represent their country and themselves at the World Games in Chengdu next year for the men the women will have a separate World Games qualification event later on this year, but for the men, this is also decided at the same time. So, a big, big event happening in Toronto this month. And, well, we're sending two of the best refs there, aren't we, Marie?
1: Oh, yes. Thomas and Ricard.
0: If you don't know them, you <laughs> should follow them already on social media. Thomas and Ricard, great ambassadors for the sport and one some of the best refs in world football. I think ball.
1: everyone knows them, though.
0: Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> I'm sure there's some people who don't. Okay. Well. And our last question uh, to finish off this episode as money needs to go. Um, <laughs> any players that you need to watch for the upcoming year that have stood out from these qualifications? After you, Miss Millerian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. uh, first of all, let's start with Team Finland.
0: The whole team.
1: Emily Akola. Very hard-working defender. He's from Bori in Finland, playing for Classic. Will transfer to Vecka in, in Sweden for next season. Let's see if he he will be in Malmer. But definitely very very strong, hard-working defender. So you should definitely follow Emily Akola. Then Markus Salmi from Happe. Very skillful forward scored many goals during the WCQ in India. Bayer. let's also see if he will be part of the final team because, like I said before, it's going to be hard to select the final list for Team Finland uh, from Team Latvia. Tom Spidmanis, top scorer of year one WCQ, and Ralf Spurlis, very, very good players. So you should also follow them. Team Germany, Leo Hefner, deputant at the WCQ, and Michel Vöcke. I mean, 10 out of 10 players, so I think many people already follow him, and it's quite easy to follow him on social media as well, but definitely keep an eye on Vöcke. And then Egert Ungar from Estonia, very good player, plays for Sparta team, automam um... The Estonian champions also played a while in Sweden previously, but currently with Sparta in Estonia.
0: Okay, Lots of players there from Euro 1. I will pick out a couple from Euro 2 and uh, Euro 3, which I had a bit of a closer eye on.
1: Okay, you tell Euro 1, and then I will add one to Euro 1.
0: Euro 2?
1: Oh, Euro 2, sorry, yeah. Uh,
0: For me, from Euro 2, Ronald Gasparic uh, already one of the best players in, in the Czech League, I think, already. And uh, um, he's so sort of like, I don't know how to describe it, but he goes under the radar as a player. I, I think, obviously, when you think of Slovakia, you think of Dudovic, you think of how good he is and, and how he's been one of the best sort of um, players in um, in Switzerland for a long time and mm-hmm. for Vila. But Gasparic now playing for Mlade Boleslav um, in the Czech league having an incredible season and uh one of their main players on the team that is helping them um have such a strong season where they're top of the Czech league they've scored an almighty 255 goals in 22 league games Mlade Boleslav. um I, I just, uh, <laughs> uh, they uh, and they lost uh, literally 2 weeks ago they defeated pardubice 19 goals to 2 so and Black Angels, 18-4, and, and Sparta-Prague, 14-4. So they just score goals for fun. And I think Gasparic is one of the most underrated players in that in that team and in Slovakia in general. Mari, who else have you got for Euro 2? Tomas Jurko. Ah, the Tatran goalie.
1: Yes. Um... I guess it was his first event with the men's team. At least it was the first WFCQ event for Jurko. And quite a busy week as well, coming from the Champions Cup final and then uh, traveling to Poland for the qualifications and being part of the men's team this time. Obviously, he has represented the under-19 team before, also won gold in 2021 um, when Czech- Czechia hosted the event in Brno. Um, so definitely, I yeah. That's a good great. shout. I mean, I yeah. mean
0: is he's got a lot to live up to. Mm. Uh, he's still battling some of the best Czech goalies who we've known for several years now. The Czechs are incredible at producing goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot of people to try and Fend off to get into that WFC squad, but he had a good qualification tournament uh, just now, as you said, and he had an even better Champions Cup and exactly. uh, league performance so far in the league. So he's doing himself very well. Uh, for me, from Euro three players to watch, um, I think for let's start off with the one team that hasn't qualified really. So uh, before, uh, I think for Slovenia, you can't look past Roby Koshir um, the only player on Slovenia who doesn't play in Slovenia. He plays for Sparta Prague in in the Czech League. And my word, like, again, just another player who just is so, like, people just don't think about it. He's top 10 in the top goal scorers list, like points getters list, this season in the league. As a Slovenian playing in Czech Republic, one of the best leagues in the world. So um, 45 points already for Kosir in in 22 games for for Sparta and uh, you know they're having a solid season maybe not what they're expecting but they're only six points off off the top of the table in Mladá Boleslav so good season for Sparta so far as well and they're going to try and battle into those playoffs and I think Kosir is going to help them and he'll certainly be key on the Slovenian team going forward in in Malmö mm-hmm. uh, alongside Nejpecaj who oh dear m- me and me and marie have a a bit of a soft spot for nezh because he's a uh, he's been everywhere i mean under 19s he was with slovenia for the past two tournaments uh, the world championships he was one of the top scorers in Fredrikshaven last year for um the whole tournament really i think he was top 6 top 7 in the end he finished Nej uh nay ne- Ne- pre- ne- ne- yeah, pre- and he pre- was
1: even in the like uh, three under nineteen Ws because he was in Halifax, then yeah. he was in Brno and uh, then in Frederiks So actually, we were we were already looking at his stats. Yeah. yeah. Before Frederiks
0: Yep, and he's he's only twenty now, so you know, and uh, it's ridiculous. And he was one of the best players at qualifications for Slovenia, so keep an eye out on him. Um, a couple more obviously Jan Saug for Switzerland just incredible so talented um, obviously many people already know about him but he's uh, picking up a bit of the slack left off by maybe some of the other big names not playing anymore for Switzerland and uh, last but not least for the Danes um, Kalle Taminen uh, very Finnish name but he is uh, very, go- very good very um, good bright spark for for the Danes plays him for Copenhagen in the Danish League and uh he said in one of his interviews after the game, I'm not really used to scoring, I'm more of an assister. And <laughs> and yet he was Legend. one of the one of the top scorers in um in the Euro three qualification group. Um even though Denmark didn't really click um properly I would say throughout the whole tournament, he still finished with eight points in four games. So, very good good event for Calais and seven goals. So, top scorer.
1: And Calle uh, Taminen was the one who missed WFC in Zürich. Um, so, he was yeah. not there.
0: He was supposed to play, but then he had to withdraw for injury. Yeah. So, uh, we haven't seen him yet at a WFC. So, he
1: will Denmark. get a new chance, hopefully.
0: Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yes. So, that is all we have time for today. Thank you for uh, listening and coming back to... The Talking Floorball podcast. Nice long episode today. Uh, before we before we go, anything you'd like to say, Money? Not really. Okay, great. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I
1: mean, Talking Floorball and two people talking, Talking Floorball.
0: Yeah, and thank you for listening, Floorball, uh, wherever you were in the world. Uh, hit us up. Let us know where you were listening from on our socials. And we will be back very soon. We will probably be our next episode towards the end of February where we will look back on the WFCQs happening in America. uh, The Americas, sorry, uh, in Canada. And we'll also talk about some of the cup finals that are happening this month throughout the world and especially in Europe for floorball. So from myself, thank you. Marie?
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: We'll see you next time.